Welcome to the Diversity and Fellowship Podcast, where we discuss how the gospel brings us together and keeps us together. We are your hosts, Kenny King. And I'm William Marshall, and we want to encourage Christians to think through how our lives and our churches can be a faithful display of how the power of the gospel unites us in Christ. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Diversity and Fellowship. Pastor Kenny here. We are talking today, continuing a series today, four-part series, where we're looking at different aspects of racial reconciliation. So last week, we, we talked about repentance and racial reconciliation. Today, we're going to talk about reparations and racial reconciliation. Oh, you said it. Yes, you reparations, it. restitution, whatever you want to call it to make mm. you feel good. Right. Um, next week, we're going to talk about forgiveness and racial reconciliation. And we're going to close the first season. Wow. Had, been, had an enjoyable time with my brother recording these yes. podcasts. We're going to close our first season with restoration and racial reconciliation going to take a break in in August and we're going to come back strong in September. Amen. So today we're going to talk about reparations or restitution and racial reconciliation. So the idea that once you repent, you still have to make some sort of restitution when it comes to issues like slavery, Jim Crow, um, the discrimination that minorities experienced in this country, and even specifically the things that the church, the mm. church had a hand in um, slavery and, and all mm. the discrimination that happened in our nation. So um, there are people who would say that we absolutely do not need to pay reparations. So, brother, what are some biblical arguments that people give for why there should not be any reparations paid regarding slavery and right. other discrimination. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, one of the ones that we talked about last week with repentance was, you know, I don't really need to repent for these sins that I haven't committed, and, you know, it's kind of all this, I'm not repenting for other people's sins, you know, and so right. the, the reparation part of it, or the restitution part of it would be, how how can people who did not actually commit the, the sin— yes be penalized for those sins or have to pay for those sins. And so if I never owned a slave, then I should not have to pay for any kind of restitution, you know, of that. And so I think, I think that's one just kind of general argument, you know, and I mean, they're going to point to passages that talk about, I mean, the passages that we looked at last week that are like, Hey, we're not, we're not held responsible for the sins of, you know, we're not held responsible for the sins of our fathers and those types of things. Yeah. And so I think that's a big one. I mean, I think that's a big one that kind of that, that same argument is used in this area as well. What's, what's maybe something else? Yeah. And w- when it comes to even, you know, I don't want to pay for the sins of previous generations. It's, it's a directly or indirectly. It's, mm. I don't want to. I don't want my tax dollars to be to go towards. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, reparations. Mm-hmm. Like I don't. I don't pay my taxes to to pay for previous sins. So I don't want it to have to pay for it directly. I don't have to pay for it indirectly through right. through taxes or whatever that may be. Yeah. Uh, so another argument would be: How do we decide who gets the reparations? Yes. Right. Because no one who is alive today was a slave. Right. right. 
No, no African Americans who are alive today were under the institution of slavery. Hmm. Um, many who are alive today didn't live during the time of Jim Crow. So, right. who are we actually uh, making restitution to? Who are we paying these reparations to? Hmm. How are you going to figure out who deserves, um, or or who's actually even a descendant yeah. of those? who were slaves. Right. Because a lot of those records aren't, were, were not kept mm-hmm. very well. So, right. So it's the idea of like, how, how can we even do justice in these situations when we don't know who, who actually, uh, who, who's going to actually get the reparations. Right. And the answer is we've developed things like ancestry.com. Yes. Right. And so we just, so this is a good time to announce that we have officially been sponsored as a podcast. No. <laughs> yeah, they might sue us for That's even right. lying about that being sponsored by us. Right? That's so, not true. So no, no, we're not just kidding around. Um, but yes, that um, is a big. That is a big objection. A big though. Objection. I mean, it's how do you figure out who gets what, right? Right. And then I think I think one that it kind of goes along with that one, or at least is part of that one, is at the end of the day, where does it stop? Yes. Right. So are we just talking about the slavery of African-Americans? Yes. What about the treatment of Native Americans? What about the treatment of Asian Americans? What about the treatment of Irish Americans? I mean, it goes on and on. And so there's those issues. And then again, that part of that is what's the, how do you calculate the dollar amount? You know, I mean, like what, what kind of numbers are we going to use to try to, you know, like, how, what's the number? And once we pay that number, then we can all say, got it covered. Yes. Right. And so I think that's one of the, I, I think those are the arguments that are kind of brought up to say this is an impossibility. Yes. There's no way to actually figure any of this stuff out. We can't answer these questions. We can't, you know, who's going to pay? Who's how's it going to work? How much? So those are all kind of, I think, you know, pretty strong uh, reasons or, or arguments that are brought up. Yeah. Against the idea of. Reparation. So then, Pastor Kenny, we have to ask the question, are there any biblical arguments for the idea of reparations or restitution? Yes, people attempt to make biblical arguments yes. for reparations and restitution. Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily agree with all these biblical arguments, but right. we, we just want to try to be um, fair in presenting them in a way that's accurate. Sure. So one argument is from Ezra chapter one, Ezra chapter six, where um, King Cyrus, who is um, Persian king, right? Mm, sure. Persian. I believe he's with Persia. So he is the one who who sends the Israelites back to the promised land, even though Cyrus is not the one who destroys Israel, that was Babylon. Babylon comes in, and mm-hmm. Babylon and Assyria comes in and basically destroys Israel. Right. He's the one who actually repairs, like restores Israel. Mm-hmm. And then in chapter 6 of Ezra, you have King Darius of the same empire who imposes taxes yep. um, on people who were not responsible for the right. destruction of Israel or the destruction of the temple and actually in, instructs taxes to be um, levied against people to pay for um, the restoration of, of the temple and the nation of Israel. And so people would see that as um, not necessarily this is what 
America needs to do, but this is grounds, right? This can be right. some sort of uh, of justification for the idea that America needs to pay reparations. Right. Now, I mean, obviously the money question on that one is, do you or do you not agree with such an approach to... I, mean, I think is that that's a, a, Is that a faithful application of the book of Ezra? Yeah, I think that's a stretch right. um, for sure. Um, because again, God directly mm-hmm. <laughs> tells Cyrus yeah. to do this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is not anybody twisting his arm or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He he doesn't. I mean, have to, right? <laughs> right. right. He's not, he hasn't done any in, injustices in regards to the destruction of the temple or mm-hmm. the destruction of the land. So I don't feel like he, he has to, but it's God, it's God in his favor towards his people moving Cyrus right. to, mm-hmm. and Darius to do these things. So right. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that, but that's an argument. Right. That, that is one that argument. we've heard made, yes. right? Yeah. Um, what is another argument that you've heard made from the sure. Bible for reparations? Yeah, I mean, the one that gets pointed to a lot in the New Testament is the story of Zacchaeus. Yes. Uh, and so Zacchaeus is a tax collector, steals all the money. Uh, this is Luke 19, and uh, you know takes all kinds of money and, and steals all kinds of money from people. And then uh, Jesus, he sees Jesus, climbs up in the tree because he was a short man, and short men are awesome. Right. We just need to get that out there on the podcast. <laughs> Very much so. Um, climbs, he's able to climb the tree, so he's a little athletic. He's right? incredible, right? Yes. And so um, so anyway, Zacchaeus goes up, sees Jesus, is converted, or you know, says, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to love Jesus, I'm going to trust in Jesus, and actually goes and restores. Right. Right. Those people um, he's cheated. The people that as he's a tax cheated, collector. He financially takes them money and, you know, gives them their money back and, and uh, actually adds to. Right. right? Um, Four and times, so, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so so people will look at that, you know, principle and say, or that, that uh, um, story, that narrative, and say there is a principle here that, you know, just because we're saved and our sins are forgiven— it doesn't mean that we don't still need to make restitution yes. with those that we've wronged. Right. Um, and so there, you know, Zacchaeus makes restitutions. I mean, he goes through and, um, you know, he gives that. Now, obviously, a lot of people are coming along and say, mm-hmm. yeah, well, the, the easy way around that particular passage is just simply he's, he's repaying those he wronged. He obviously knows those whom he has right. wronged. Right. It, some of those questions, those difficult questions that we talked about earlier are— not the case with Zach. You, you know, he knows who he's wronged. Yes, and he knows that he actually did the, did that. You know, and so, um, and depending on how great his records were, I mean, <laughs> he had a pretty clear accounting <laughs> yes. of exactly what he had done. You know, right. how much. You know, and so, so all those kind of questions that we, you know, uh, how much do you, you know, how do you calculate, how much do you give, you know, those kinds of things. In Zacchaeus' situation, would have been far easier, right? He's, yes. he's he's able to do that. But there is, I mean, I guess you could say there there is a principle there of He's forgiven by Jesus, right? And yet, there that doesn't alleviate his need to try to um, repair, right? Yeah, to restore. Um, you know, to, to so I, I think. I mean, I think you could say that that principle's there. Yeah, even though even though there is a a, a repentance, it does not alleviate him of re- trying to repair what he has the wrong he has done. Right. Right. Yes. Not saying that 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 repairing is. 
um, part of his salvation, right? That's right. Yeah. But it's just um, bearing fruit in keeping with repentance, as we'll uh, talk about a little yes. bit further. Right. Right. Uh, a little bit later, but um, so another yes um, biblical argument, and this is a story that we should just take principles from. We should not yes, try to execute Kenny. this story uh, word for word. <laughs> Or even idea for idea, but uh, hey, for the record, I cautioned Kenny about using this passage, and I stand by that caution. Yes, right? I, I'm this going to. A... I'm going to plow ahead okay. with this, with right. this, because I think we can learn some, some, some really good Bring lessons, brothers. Bring it from not, from this Bring passage. It to us, yes, yes. Second Samuel chapter twenty-one. In Second mm-hmm. Samuel twenty-one, uh, there is a famine in all of Israel because of God's continued judgment on the nation based upon what Saul, King Saul, had done to a group called the Gibeonites. So David is the king. Saul is long dead. David Mm -hmm. is the king, but God still has judgment upon Israel for something that Saul has done. And so what, what David does because of this famine for three years that is affecting the nation he seeks the face of God, right? And and he listens to God about what what restitution needs to be made on behalf of the Gibeonites. Again, David did not do this, but he is still required to make some sort of restitution because God's judgment remains. And so he seeks the face of God. And I feel like that's something that we need to do in regards to this discussion is, is not to immediately jump to this is what needs to happen as far as reparations is concerned or jump mm-hmm. to the idea that um, we don't need to pay reparations is that we should understand that, that God is a God that demands justice. There's mm-hmm. a principle of justice that God has throughout the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so for when we know that we have um, done wrong, not necessarily individually, but as a nation or as an institution, mm-hmm. like God's judgment can still remain. Mm-hmm. Now, we can't say that every incident that happens bad is a is a form of God's judgment, mm-hmm. but we, we can say that his judgment is it's possible for his judgment to yeah, remain. Right. And that when when we are made aware of some of the things that we have done wrong, it's important for us to to seek God's face and listen to him as to what reparation, what restitution needs to be made. Mm. Um, when we immediately just jump to this is what we need to do or this is what we don't need to do, then we are, then we could have God's judgment on us and not even realize it. Mm. until something really, really bad happens that is clearly God's judgment. So just from that story, those are the principles I would take away from it, not necessarily the way in which um, justice was achieved for the Gibeonites in that situation, because that's not necessarily Mm -hmm. (laughs) something I I would say, do just listen to God and seek his face as to what should be done versus immediately thinking you know what God would have you to do in different situations. Right. Yeah. So what would you add to biblical arguments? Well, brother? I mean, one of the ones that you've, you know, you've already mentioned and, and you kind of brought up there is there, there is a need to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Yes. So, I mean, that's kind of the principle that we're bringing out in Zacchaeus, uh, at least, you know, to some, to some degree. I mean, we would say Zacchaeus repented and then he bore the fruit of that repentance by 
restoring, yes. right? And giving money back, right? Um, that's part of you know what's happening even in this principle of of justice. There needs to be this kind of a restoration, you know, yeah. there needs to be that. So a couple of places, you know, uh, when John the Baptist is preaching, I mean, he talks about talks to the Pharisees in Matthew 3, uh, and uh, particularly verse 8, he talks about bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Like just yes. saying, oh, yeah, I'm, we're sorry about that. But then not really changing your life. I mean, the Bible is going to actually distinguish between true, real repentance and just false, fake, right. you know, whatever. And we've all seen the, we've all seen the two, right? Yes. I mean, there are some people who are like, well, I'm sorry. And, you know, like, <laughs> they're just sorry because they got caught. You know, it's yes. a kid. You know, if you've raised children and you've seen that, you know, it's you know, tell your brother that you're sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. The heartfelt. You know. <laughs> and then you know the idea of bearing fruit is like, don't punch your brother in the face again. Right. Which they proceed to go and immediately yes. do. You know. And so that's not bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. And and I think um, I think I mean and and just um, kind of kind of watching. Um, some of my uh, black brothers and just talking with others who have been kind of frustrated, particularly by the church. Yes. Is that this is, this is what's lacking. Right. It's, you know, if you, if you ask the kind of white evangelicals, are you willing to repent? Are you, and I'm like, yes, of course, we've already repented for that. Right. I particularly see that in our own context within the SBC, right? Yes. So the SBC repented of its beginning uh, which was ugly, yes, ugly history, right? And right. so the SBC repents of that in what ninety five, and I think there was kind of this feeling within many that it was like, okay, we don't ever have to talk about that again, right? It's completely over. We've repented. We don't have to do anything. Nothing left on us to do. That's right. right? And I think minorities, you know, were like, wait a minute, <laughs> <laughs> like where's the where's the fruit of that repentance? Yes, you know, and um. And then you have, you know, backlash from from others. You're like, what do you mean you're, there needs to be fruit? And what are you talking about? And we've repented. And, you know, and kind of this repeated pointing to um, the um, the action in, in 95. And so I, th- I think that's something that um, the majority culture, the majority church really needs to wrestle with. What What is the fruit? And may, again, going back to what you just said, Kenny, about seeking the face of the Lord. Like, Lord, what... Um, what does the fruit of our repentance for our sin look like? If you want to yes. continue the SBC analogy, the SBC began as a an organization of churches, a partnership of churches that wanted to maintain slaves. They wanted yes. to continue uh, slaves. There were other Christians, other Baptists who said, you should not do that. That's right. wrong. And we don't want to partner with you because of that. And they said, fine, we'll... I mean that's an oversimplification of the history, right. but 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 there, that was at least part of it, right? Yes. And so if you ask the question, okay, we've repented of that in '95, then I think we need to ask the question: What does bearing fruit in keeping with our repentance of 1995 actually look like? Yes. In our denomination as a whole, in our, um, I mean, in our organizations, in our institutions, our our seminaries, our colleges. And in particularly in our local churches, you yes. Know, what what is that? What does bearing fruit and keeping worth printings have to look like? And we'll throw out some practical type stuff in a minute. But but I think that's I think that's what this principle. I think that's a biblical principle of of you know this kind of idea of restitution of right of, of righting the wrongs, if you will. Uh, what's something else, Pastor? Yeah, I would say just the idea of sacrificial love or or neighbor love. Yes, uh, as we see uh, in Jesus's teachings in in mm. Matthew twenty five, he talks about 
those who are naked, those who are hungry, those mm-hmm. who the downcast, right? Right. And so whereas he's calling those who follow him to to meet these needs or to help these people who their their believers may not have caused those those situations, right? Mm. They may not have had a hand in actually causing these people to be naked or are hungry or or all the other ways that Jesus says people are downcast. Right. But he calls them out of out of love for him mm. to actually um help these people in some cases which which would mean financially, right? Right. Yeah. And so just a well, I didn't have anything to do with this, so I'm not going to do anything about it. That's not what we are called to. <laughs> we right. are called to actually um, show to sacrifice for the sake of those who have been wronged or who who are downcast. Right. Um, you see that in the story of the Good Samaritan. In the yes. Good Samaritan, um, you have a, a Jew who's actually beat up by someone else, and the Samaritan comes along and gives of himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the story where Jesus, where they are they're asking Jesus to, who is my neighbor? Right. Jesus yeah. says, "Love God, love your neighbor," and they're like, "Who's my neighbor?" Mm-hmm. And so Jesus gives the the example of the Good Samaritan where he he gives of himself to make sure that this person who has been uh, beaten, beaten and oppressed is taken care of. Mm. And so as we, you know, as we are realizing that, hey, there's a group of people who have been oppressed, sometimes reparations looks like I'm just going to sacrificially give of myself in love. Um, to make sure these people mm. are restored. Yeah. Yeah. And even with the Good Samaritan, I mean, you have two cultures that are hostile yes. toward, like the Samaritans and the Jews are I mean, yeah. very hostile towards one another. And so, yeah, it's a great, I mean, it's a great example of kind of this call to love those that the culture would say hate or the culture would, you know, yeah. uh, culturally would might be difficult, would feel like it's difficult to do that. And so, yeah, I think that's, so that yeah. so that kind of leads to I think the the question that most people struggle with is that okay even if we say some of these principles are true even if we say there needs to be some restitution there needs to be uh, some reparations right if if we would at least be willing to admit okay yeah maybe there's there's a need for some of that what does this practically look like yes I mean how could because again you go back to those like where does it stop how many you know how do we calculate the money I mean what you know what do we do and so, Kenny, what are some maybe some practical examples that, or what's an what's a practical example that you've seen that you think, hey, here's, this is actually a right way to handle it. Right. In, in March of this year, actually, Evanston, Illinois, they approved a reparation program for their black residents who were affected or even were descendants of people who um, bore the the brunt of like redlining right. and housing discrimination and things like that. So they, they have this fund that they have poured money into that will allow um, black residents to to have down payments on, on homes or mm-hmm. to do home repairs. Um, and so they're able to to go into this fund if they are if they are able to prove Right. Again, that they were affected by these policies or that they are direct descendants of those right. who were um, affected by these um, racist policies called like redlining. Right. And so they they were at least trying to make an effort because housing 
housing is a big way in which people um, gain wealth. Yep. And a way that determines even our education. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Our educational system. And so this was something that was easy for them to to prove. Like we actually discriminated in this way. Mm-hmm. It, it was somewhat easy for them to determine who deserves this and mm-hmm. who doesn't deserve this, right. right? They have some limits. Who are and, descendants yeah, yeah. Uh, of the people. Who, and it's not like this happened 300 years ago. Right. I this, mean, this, this is, they're looking at... 1960s, our, right, right? in our community, yeah. Right, and mm-hmm. even after that, they say, if you can prove after that point that you were affected by some discriminatory practices, then you can apply for right. um, part of this, this fund that, that they have right. established. Mm-hmm. Now, might not want to agree with some of the ways in which they established a fund or sure. you know some of the particulars yeah, yeah. of it, but at least they're thinking through, hey, what is it that, what have we done historically to oppress people and how can we repair some of the damage we've done long term hmm. in these areas? Yeah. Uh, what, what is another practical example, brother, that you would give and, and yeah. how to live this out? Uh, I mean, recently Southern Seminary developed a scholarship program. Yes. Primarily for African-American students because they did a long study on their history and they recognized that there were actually days, I mean, a, a good portion of their history where um, African-Americans were not allowed to attend the seminary. Yes. And so they're like, that's terrible. That's an awful history. Uh, we we want to we want to try to help African Americans be able to attend our seminar. We want to do what we can today now uh, yes. to try to encourage um, you know black Christians to come and attend our seminary. And so one of the ways that they did that was you know by creating this scholarship. Yeah. So again, that's not necessarily. I mean, that is. I mean, just depending on how you want to look. I mean, it's not like hey, we're going to write you a check, but. But in one sense, you are. You are. <laughs> right? right? I mean, you're saying, like, hey, this is a way to come and get, you know, uh, a good education and be trained as a pastor. And we recognize our errors in the past, you know, of doing that. And, right. And so we want to, you know, we want to do that. We want to make sure that this 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 happens. Now, we really don't have time for this, but I think we need to stop just here, just for a second, and say, what would you say to the white pastor, white guy who wanted to apply and he didn't qualify for that scholarship, and he didn't yeah. get that scholarship, and he's having to pay for it himself. And right. he's like, "This is completely unfair." Yes, I, I, I what what I would say to the white guy or or anyone in the majority culture who's kind of against these um, diversity, you know, race based scholarships or affirmative action things of that nature, is that there will be. To, to correct some of the past, there's going to be a sacrifice on the behalf of the majority culture. Right. Because at some point in time, there was a there was a sacrifice or an, a, a wrong committed against the minority culture. And the only right. way to correct that is to right. is to favor them in, yeah, yeah. In, in a way. And so. You, you have to go into those situations knowing that, that you are going to have to give up spaces. You're going to have mm. to give up influence. You're going to have to give up power and mm. resources in yeah. order to to level the playing field, so to speak. Yeah. And if you're not prepared to, to do that, then mm. you may not be prepared to fight for justice right, right. in these areas. Yeah. Because it it demands it. It, it yeah. it's not you, you cannot even play in field. Just think about people running. If somebody has a head start and then you start 
you you start the group who who didn't have the head start. There's the group that had the head start is still going to be the same distance apart from mm-hmm. the other group. Right. So the only way you bring them back is you kind of stop right. the first you have to group. Hold, hold back. You got to hold back the first mm-hmm. group in order for the other group to catch up. If they're if they're even running at the same speed, you're doing that. Yeah. And so that that's what I would say to to the majority guy. And it's not easy. Right. I, I definitely would will acknowledge that it's not easy to have to sacrifice uh, things that you have worked hard for. It's mm-hmm. not that you're in. And here's here's the thing. It's not that your opportunities have been totally eliminated. <laughs> right, right. Right. And that's what was happening to minorities, right? Yep. Your opportunities were completely eliminated. Your yeah, opportunities. You yeah. Your opportunities haven't been eliminated. They've just mm-hmm. been decreased mm-hmm. to to offer those op- opportunities to those who once did not have it at all. Right. And so you you have to have a right perspective when it comes to that. Yeah, that's good. Well, a couple of other, you know, kind of practical ways that we'll at least mention and um, you know, there's always organizations that you can support that are trying to, you know, help underserved uh, areas. And yeah. I think those are always good to support and do that. Feeding programs can be that or, like I said, housing programs, you know, the right. other types of things that can be uh, scholarship programs or, you know, as if you're as an individual or even as a local church, if you say, hey, we want to help in this area, we want to we want to do some things here. Yes. Uh, those are always things you can do. Uh, another one is just kind of partnering with um, minority churches in yes. your in your community. Uh, that's going to look different uh, from, man, from, from community mm-hmm. to community. It's going to even look different from church to church and those types yes. of things. But that's one of those things that you can seek the face of the Lord about and say, Lord, what, what could this look like? How, what could a partnership look like between um, uh, our church and, and this other church? And so those are good things to kind of seek the Lord on. Yes. All right, brother, what is our diversity and fellowship resource for this week? All right, diversity and fellowship resource is the article about the Evanston, uh, Illinois reparation program. So we'll yep. have a link up for that, and we encourage you to read it. Yeah, it's interesting to just kind of see what they what that city decided to do. Yes. Um, all right, so that leads us to our crazy question yes. for the week. So we're kind of talking about these one of these things where some of these you know even the situation we we're just talking about with the scholarships and stuff can feel like a really staggering like right i've got to make this huge payment i've got to make this huge sacrifice so, <laughs> to repair something to repair yeah <laughs> yes so uh kind of kind of sort of stretching that idea but what what is kenny in your life one of the most staggering payments oh, that man. you've ever been faced with. Yeah, this was in the last few years. So um moved back to Sykeston and like a few years after buying the house, realized that there's problems in the sewer line. Yes. And so you call the plumber out and you and you think mm-hmm. that, okay, all you need to do is clear out the sewer line. Yeah, you get that no and problem. And it was like, no, you got this material called Orangeburg and that <sighs> that they made sewer lines out of that mm-hmm. has like a 50, 60 year span. And it's gone. And it's gone. It's so gone. you got to have your whole sewer line replaced. And it's like, okay, well, that's going to cost maybe $1,000, something like that. Sure, sure. Yeah, I go ahead and no. Just low ball of No, bro. <laughs> low ball no, of Kenny. Several thousand dollars. Yes. Like, could have been like 10000 Like, somebody quoted right. me at $10,000. Bro, yes. you talking about somebody mad about mm. having to replace his sewer line and yes. dish out all these thousands of dollars on something you don't even see. Right, it's not even. But there. when it's clogged up, you smell it. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> right. And, that, and those are the hardest repairs, right? You you do yeah. it and you don't. I mean, it's like, 
it's just under the ground. Right. We just need it to work, and right. it's not working, and now it works, and that's and you paid all this money to Woo! make. Frustrating. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, mine, I think mine is just always car repairs. You know it. You know, because I... We, we don't necessarily drive new cars, and so our cars are always kind of needing, you know, and like, man, it does not. I'll take my car in for an oil change, <laughs> and they're like, sir, we're sorry, but it's going to cost $1,500 right. to get a bolt off or whatever, you know? And yeah. I, So if we have any car repair guys out there listening, I, I apologize if that's <laughs> offensive to you, but it always feels like it, I mean... I mean, Glenn and I have actually joked. We're like, if we if we know there's a repair that has to happen, if it comes in under like five, six, seven hundred dollars, I mean, we are pumped. We're right? Like, yes. Yeah. Because normally it's always over a thousand. I mean, my it's always goodness. staggering to me. Maybe I should just, you know, at this point in my life, I should probably just be ready for it. And be ready for it, it man. We don't. We still get caught off guard. So anyway, well, yeah. thanks. <laughs> thanks so much for uh, listening to us uh, this week as we're continuing um, this kind of series, and we will catch up with you again next week. God bless you. Thanks so much for listening to the Diversity and Fellowship Podcast. If you want to join the discussion, please send us your questions and your comments to diversityandfellowship at gmail.com. That's diversityandfellowship at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, keep laboring by God's grace to be a faithful display of how the power of the gospel unites us in Christ.